and I feel fine. So, yeah, we're going to be doing a series on the end times. We're going to be doing a series on the last days. Uh, the study of the end times is called eschatology. Ology means the study of. Eska means last times, last days, uh, last things. And so eschatology is the study of the last days. And so this is what we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks. Uh, man, you know, if you look at current events, you would not have to be convinced that we're living in the end days, right? Crazy stuff going on. Of course, you know, I would think that people that lived during the Black Plague probably thought that they were living in the last days. Think about this. A third of the world died. We've had, I don't know how many deaths. It certainly wasn't two billion people. A third of the world died. I think that they would think that they were in the end days. Spanish flu still outpaced us in, in total number of deaths. World War One, World War Two, Cold War. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on and on about conditions that you could have been living in where you had thought, this is certainly the end of the world. Right? And so, are we really living in the end of the world? Is it really the end of the world? Is it really the end of the world? I doubt it. I doubt it. Uh, Napoleon, you know, these all these things. Even the disciples thought, you know, Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. Even as, even in the 70s, when Pastor Tom uh, got saved, people thought they were coming back. In the 70s, people quit going to college. They had one year left, one semester left, and they quit thinking, no, Jesus is coming back. Are you that convinced? Listen, I'm going to quit my job and sell my house because Jesus is coming back. This is how convinced people have been throughout the ages. And so I said all that just to say, hey, listen, it's not the end of the world. And so the title's a joke, right? It's a play on words. It's the end of the world as we know it. R.E.M. song. How many of you know that? I knew the song and I knew the words, but I didn't know it was R.E.M. until Alan told me. Because I don't know artists. Really. I mean, I remember the song. I was, I was unsaved up until 92. I got saved in 92, so, you know, I think that song actually predates my salvation, so therefore I heard that song, and I did listen to secular music for a while after. I still listen to it once in a while today, but not much. But it's the end of the world as we know it, but I feel fine. And so that's the, that's the, that's the point here, is that I feel fine. I feel fine. Listen, when Jesus was in the midst of the storm, when he woke up in the boat, he wasn't afraid. He felt fine. He's like, where's your faith? He said, and he didn't say this, but what I think is, what did Jesus say to you? He didn't say get in the boat and go to the middle so that you can drown in a storm. He said get in the boat and go to the other side. And so we have to remember what Jesus said. We have to remember specifically and exactly what Jesus said. Because if we don't remember and if we don't put those words deep in our heart, when the storms come, when the waves come, when the trials come, when we see end of days, we'll doubt. And we can't do that. We can't be a people who can do that. We have to hear the Lord, and we have to know what he's saying to us. And so I'm going to give you, here we go, I'm going to give you the most important thing that you will learn in this entire series. Well, Pastor Matt, that's not very smart. You're supposed to save the best for last. I get it. I know. I get it. But with end time stuff, eschatology being what it is, and people being so uh, 
debated and divided over the issue, I figured I'll just I'll just solve the problem right here and right now. Right? Here it is. Here is the best advice that I can give you. If you have a notebook, get ready to write it down. Here it comes. If you don't have a notebook, open your phone. Go ahead, pull it out. Open the notes and get ready to write this down. This is, man, this is wisdom from above. I, I didn't even come up with this. Somebody else did. Are you ready? The best advice you will get this entire series. Four weeks I'm going to be talking. Here it comes. 17 words. I counted before I think it was 17. Live like Jesus is coming back tomorrow. Because he could. Because he could. Plan like he isn't coming back for 50 years. Somebody that's watching online, type that into the comments. If you would. Live like Jesus is coming back tomorrow, because he could, and plan like he's not coming back for 50 years. It's the best advice you're going to get this whole sermon series. All right, thanks for coming today. It was great. <laughs> My job is getting easier and easier. With everything that we're going to learn, listen, uh, we're going to talk about, we're not going to talk, we're not going to do it today, we're going to talk about Pre-trip, mid-trip, post-trip, no-trip. We're going to talk about rapture. We're going to define these terms. We're going to talk about the man of sin, the man of lawlessness, the antichrist. Uh, we're going to talk about the mark of the beast. We're going to talk about pre-millennial, post-millennial, amillennial. We're going to talk about what all this stuff is. And I might even tell you what I believe. I might even tell you which way I believe. I, I lean on all of these topics. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. We're not going to talk about those things today. What I want to start with today is I want to talk about what Jesus said about the last days. Listen, we're here for four weeks, and we're here for uh, 30 minutes each week talking about the end times. And I could take my Bible, and I could just start reading to you what the Bible says about end times. And I cannot get through all of the material that is in the Bible simply just cursory reading it, just simply reading through it in two hours. I can't do it. There's too much there. Isaiah, Daniel, Malachi, Joel, even all these Old Testament books, not talking about Revelation, Matthew, Mark, Luke, very little in John, uh, Acts, all through the New Testament, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, Ephesians, Philippians, all of these books, all of these books talk about the end times. All of them. It's in almost, it's almost, it's throughout Scripture. And so it's something that we can't ignore. But, you know, one of the things that I take, and I, I tend to put a little heavier emphasis on anything that Jesus says. Right? Why, are the, why are the letters in red? The letters are in red because they printed it that way. Okay? So don't be fooled. You know, the original text, they didn't put it in red. But this is the words that Jesus said. Somebody once said, you know, did you read, you know, there's a joke, and did you read your Bible? Well, I read all the highlighted parts, right? Somebody went through and highlighted them. So I read all the highlighted parts because I figured that was more important. <laughs> if we were to only read the words in red, come on. If you were to go home and only read the words in red this week, you'd be encouraged. Because Jesus is encouraging. Jesus will never leave you. Jesus will never forsake you. Jesus is never going to pull you down. He'll only ever lift you up. And so I, I tend to wait the red words a little heavier. Anybody else with me? You guys with me this morning? 
prepare an offering for the Lord. And that's the site that they built the temple on. And so the temple of God could not have been built in the same place as the Dome of the Rock because the Dome of the Rock is built over a jagged rock. You'd have to have a big flat rock. And so if you look very carefully at the picture, I don't know if it's still on the on you can't see it. I'm looking carefully and I can't see it. To the north end, which would be the right side of the Dome of the Rock, there's a small gazebo pavilion. And that is where they believe that the threshing floor was. That is where they believe that the, the temple was. But it's all been torn down. Look at it. The, the walls don't even look the same as they looked in the other picture. It's all been torn down. It was torn down to nothing. And other things have been rebuilt in their place. Crazy. Jesus said this to his disciples. And so let's move on with the scriptures here. He says, and now he's, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when these things will be and what will be the sign of the end of the age and, and your coming. And Jesus answered and said to him, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying that I am the Christ and will deceive many. And so the first thing we have to be aware of when we're talking about end times, when we're talking about the last days, is that we have to not be deceived. This is the first thing Jesus said, and he's going to repeat it like six times throughout his discourse here in Matthew 24. Do not be deceived. He says it twice in the first, in the first verse. Do not be deceived. Many false Christs are going to come. Many false messiahs are going to come. Many are going to come in my name if possible to deceive you. They're going to try to deceive you. Don't be deceived. The warning here is about deception. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. We're hearing about that. See that you are not troubled. Don't be bothered by what you see. Don't be bothered by what you see. Just like the disciples in the boat. We're not to be bothered by the storm and the wind and the waves. Jesus got it. Peter gets out of the boat, walks on the water to Jesus, and then he notices the wave, and he notices the wind, and his faith is shaken, and he begins to sink. Don't be shaken by the things that you see. Jesus is, is driving this point home. Don't be shaken. He'll tell us later, I've told you beforehand so that you won't be shaken. See that you are not troubled, for all of these things must come to pass, and the end still isn't yet. Still not the end. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, people will be starving, there will be pestilence, there's going to be disease, there's going to be coronavirus, there's going to be black plague, there's going to be SARS, there's going to be HIV, there's going to be cancer, there's going to be, I don't know, all the diseases. And I wouldn't want to listen to me, but if I did. There will be earthquakes in various places. All of this is just the beginning of sorrows. Wow, okay. Then... They will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my, not, for my name's sake. And then many will be offended. They will be a, betray one another. They will hate one another. And many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Here we go again with the deception. To deceive, to deceive, to trick you. Don't be deceived. You're going to be hated. People are going to hate you just because you're declaring your name and you're, 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 you're a Christian. They're going to be offended at you. They're going to be offended because you're a Christian. Who do you think you are? 
to raise up a standard of righteousness. This is happening in our day, all over the place. Many, uh, they will betray one another, and they will hate one another. Betrayal is going to be a real thing. Hatred of one another. This is happening. Again, with the deception. Many false prophets. We had false messiahs. Now we have false prophets. And because lawlessness will abound, or what does that sound like? Sounds like the nightly news. Listen, I, I don't, I'm not convinced. I, I watch the news occasionally, often enough to stay in the loop. I, I know a lot of people, and I talk to a lot of people, and we're, they're good people. And I know that there are, there are some bad people. I know that there's bad things that happen in the world. Don't get me wrong. I know that there's bad things that happen in the world. But in a country of 320 million people, I'm sure that we can find a few bad apples. Right? Even if even if 90% of, uh, of all of the nation was good, it's easy to find out of 3.2 million people. That's like, you don't even have to look under a rock to find them. That's still 90% good. That's still an A rating. But the old adage of, of the news that if it bleeds, it leads, still rings true today. And if the news... I don't want to get political on you guys. And I want to just badmouth the news, but if the news can't drive fear in people, then they won't use the story. Or they'll have one little clip at the end saying, oh, look at this good news story over here. After, after 25 minutes of fear, 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 fear. There was a law passed in 1987 that allowed the news to no longer have to preach the news without being slanted. And since that time, op-eds have become much more popular, which means it's just somebody's opinion, which means that I can get up on a, a they don't necessarily call it news, you know, they'll call it the nightly report or some other thing, right? And now they don't have to report the news. They can just give their opinion. My opinion is Trump's racist. And it's true, because I said it. And you think you're watching the news, but you're just watching my opinion. Give me some proof. You know, I've been asking from the beginning for someone to show me statistics that prove that police officers are systematically racist. I haven't seen it. I understand George Floyd. That man should not have died. That was a terrible thing that happened. But I have not seen anything to say that Police officers are more biased towards black people than they are white people. I, I understand that they commit more crimes. That, that it's a social justice thing. I, if anybody in this nation is racist, it's the politicians and it's the lawmakers. This may get taken down off of Facebook, that's what I'm saying. I believe it. You can't convince me otherwise. All right, I'm going to get off my soapbox and I'm going to keep going. And it's Democrats and Republicans, neither, neither parties. Jesus. I think we live in a great country, and I think that for the most part, people in this country are great. I think that for the most part, people in this country are good. Could they go to church more often? Yes. Could they see God a little bit better and turn away from unholy living a little bit more? Yes. But for the most part, people in this country love one another. Soldiers put their life on the line. 
police officers, firefighters, put their life on the line so that somebody else can be saved. This is our nation. These people do this voluntarily. Most of them do. We don't have to we don't have to twist people's arm. We don't have to pass a law that says everybody has to join a military career so we have enough forces. They will willingly line up. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Don't let your love grow cold. And so there's an import here that we are not to let our love grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Don't let your love grow cold. Keep on loving. No matter what it looks like, no matter how much lawlessness there is, no matter how much uh, deception and depravity and whatever it is you see, keep loving. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all of the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. And so we, we know here by Jesus' words that the gospel has to be preached in all of the world before the end of time, before this age wraps up, right? And so what you may or may not know is that in 2006, all of the different missionary organizations that are, are around got together and they put together a list of the number of people, this was in 2006, of the number of people that they still needed to reach. And in 2006, that number was 2,600 people groups. 2,600 unreached people groups for the gospel. They got back together in 2018, December of 2018. They, they wanted to see where they were at. They said, how many do we have to go? How many are left? There's 20. In December of 2018, that was two years ago. That was two years ago. So from 2006 to 2018, in 12 years, they, they cracked down 2,580, and it's been two years since they had only 20. What are the chances that every single nation and people group in the world has had the gospel preached to them? I think those chances are pretty good. I think those chances are really good. So... This gospel must be preached to all the world as a witness to all nations. Check. Done. And then the end will come. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. And so let's just pause here for a moment and talk about the abomination that sets up desolation. What is it? And so there's different interpretations on what this may mean. Be, what this mean, what this may mean, and what this may look like. Uh, some think that it could have been Nero or Domitian, who were both Roman emperors, who both um, crucified, killed, uh, you know, utterly put to death Christians. Uh, it could one of the, those two emperors, I believe it was Nero, or it could have been Domitian, attempted to set up in the temple of God that that white building with the gold on the top that I showed you tried to set up a statue of himself 50 foot tall on the inside of that building. That would have been an abomination that sets up desolation standing in the midst of the holy place. It didn't happen. Before it could get done, he was killed, taken out. Thank you, Jesus. Some people believe that it's the Dome of the Rock. The abomination that sets up desolation. Dome of the Rock standing in the holy place on the holy temple. Some, some believe that it's something yet to come. And so if you haven't gotten the, the um, if you haven't gotten the feel for it yet, I'm going to throw out a lot of options, and I'm not really going to give you answers as to what all of this stuff is, because 
really we don't know. I mean, it could be this, and it could be this, and it could be this, and it could be 10 other things. And we could talk all day, and people have argued about this stuff all, all of this time, about what it is, what's it going to look like, what is it, what is it, what is it. Let me just stop and say this. Here we are, we're in the midst of Matthew, uh, worship, right? How many people recognize Jesus at his first coming? Mary was told, Mary was told by the angel, right? Elizabeth, Mary walks in, and John the Baptist leaps within the womb because John the Baptist in the womb recognized Jesus in the womb and responded. Life begins at conception. And so then Elizabeth knew. Elizabeth realized what was going on. Who else? None of the Pharisees, none of the Sadducees. The list goes on about people that didn't recognize Jesus. We see Anna and Simeon. I don't know how many people were on the world at that time. I don't know how many people lived in Jerusalem at that time. I don't know how many scholars had studied this for all of their life. Right? The shepherds were told. The wise men recognized his star in the east. So the wise men kind of caught on. We don't know how many wise men there were. We think there was three, but there could have been a lot more. It doesn't say there was three. It just says they brought three gifts. And that's why we think there's three. <laughs> but by and large, what we see is the people that studied it the most Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Zealots, and every other sect of Judaism that you can name, they all missed it. And we think that we're going to study and we're going to figure it out and we're going to be able to, oh, he's coming on June 27th. Listen, I know this. It says that no man shall know the day or the hour. So if somebody tells you that he's coming on that day and in that hour, that's when Jesus is not coming. That's when you can have a party. No, don't do that. Okay. I got to keep moving. Uh, all of that. Whoever, whoever understands, let him understand. Now, this next portion of text uh, most likely refers to the destruction of Jerusalem in, in 70 AD. It says, Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the top house top not go down to take anything out of his house. Let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. It could also refer to today or, or the coming day. But woe to those who are pregnant and, and to those who are nursing babes in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. For there will be great tribulation. Such has not been since the beginning of the world. No, not until this time, nor shall ever be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh shall be saved. But for the elect's sake... Those days shall be short. Who's the elect? We are. Who's the elect? The church is the elect. And so the days are shortened. Now whether that means that an actual 24-hour day completes in 22 hours, or whether that it was originally scheduled to be 5,000 days and it was shortened to another number, we don't know. But the days are shortened for your sake and for mine, for the elect's sake. Great tribulation. We're going to talk about the tribulation 
And so let me just talk real quick about the tribulation. The tribulation, some believe, is a seven-year period where great tribulation will be poured out upon all the earth. And uh, there's three positions on this. There's pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. And there's a fourth position called no-trib, where they don't believe that there's going to be a seven-year period. But the tribulation period is going to occur from the time that Jesus spoke these words until the time when Jesus comes back. So that's the fourth position. The other ones are all determining about when the rapture is going to take place in relation to this seven-year period, right? Pre-tribulation rapture, mid-tribulation rapture, post-tribulation rapture, right? So that's tribulation, the great tribulation. Uh, it doesn't say the word the here, but just know that great tribulation, such as not many, or the elect state, those days will be short, equally. Then if anyone says to you, for, look, here is the Christ, or there, don't believe it, for false Christ and false prophets will arise, and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Who is the elect? We are. To deceive you. False prophets. False Christs. Trying to deceive us. Then Jesus says, see, I have told you beforehand. Don't be deceived because I'm telling you about it right now. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he is in the desert, don't go out. Or look, he is in the inner rooms, don't believe it. For as lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. There was a lightning storm the other night, and I couldn't, I just missed the lightning. No. When the lightning flashes across the sky, you're like, you're not going to miss it. It goes real fast, but you know what just happened. Gee, what was that? Is that a loud motorcycle going down the road? We get a lot of them there. No. That was lightning. Didn't you tell by the blinding lights? You are not going to be able to miss it, but you also won't be able to tell that it's coming. Stand out in the midst of a lightning storm, right? When's the next crack of lightning coming? I don't know. Right? When's Jesus coming? We don't know. But you won't miss it. I'll tell you that. You will not miss it. For where carcasses, there the eagles will be gathered. That's a very interesting scripture. We're going to skip that. <laughs> Maybe next one. We'll come back and get that. Uh, immediately after the tribulations of those days, there's that word again. The sun will be darkened and the moon will not give light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the heaven and all the tribes of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he will send his angels with a great sound of a great trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. Come on. Jesus is coming back to get us. And when he comes, the Bible just told us that when he comes, all of the nations of the earth will mourn. Listen, it's talking about the ungodly nations, because I'm going to tell you what, I'm having a Holy Ghost party the moment that thunder clap hits the sky. Be like, Jesus, right here! Come on! Come on, tell me you're not going to party in that day. Oh. I'm going to be like, take Come me. Let's, woo, let's go, here we go. <laughs> We're caught up in the clouds to meet him, Thessalonians says. We're going up. Jesus is coming back. All of the earth will mourn. They're not going to be happy that Jesus is coming back. Not going to be happy. The gathering together of the souls. This is what we call the rapture. The word rapture is not in the Bible, but repeatedly throughout the Bible, it tells us that we'll be caught up in the clouds to meet Jesus. 
What does the word rapture mean? It means caught up. And so some people get caught up on the word, you can't say rapture is not in the Bible. Well, neither is Trinity. Well, neither is a lot of what we believe. And it's just a, uh, it's a substitute word, so we don't have to say the whole sentence. Yeah. Jesus is going to come back, and we're going to get caught up in the clouds to meet him. The rapture. When Jesus comes back, we're going to get caught up in the clouds to meet him. When the rapture happens. See, it makes uh, talking about this all this that much more simple. Come on. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When it when the when its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see these things, know that it is near and is at the door. Surely I say to you that this generation will by no means pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word, my words will no, by no means pass away. And so, in the same way that we can look at our vegetable garden, we can look at our apple trees. And we can tell when we're going to be able to pick some fruit. I was out in my garden yesterday looking at my tomato plants. The fruits are very small. They're hard. They're not even close. I know that I can't be picking tomatoes in the next couple weeks. And in the same way that we look at our tomato plants and we can determine whether or not we can pick tomatoes, we can look at the events that are going on in the world and we can determine whether or not Jesus is coming back soon. He says, uh, this generation by, will, by, will by no means pass away. And so he wasn't talking about a 40-year generation. He was talking about the generation of the salvation of Jesus Christ. He was talking about the generation that we live in today, the generation of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This generation will by no means pass away before I return. But of the day and of the hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, but my Father only. I wonder if Jesus knows. Jesus said that my Father is the only one who knows. Owner of the Holy Spirit knows. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, they're all one. They're one and three and three and one. That's the mystery of the Trinity. And if you don't understand it, that's okay. That's why they call it a mystery. And that's why it's called the mystery of our faith, not the understanding of our faith. Owner, I, I don't know. But only God will know when he's coming back. Oftentimes, the harvest of souls is related to different types of vegetables, right? It's related to wheat and a few other things, and there's this harvest idea. But when is, how many of you know, when is wheat ready? When is corn ready, right? We, we don't grow wheat here, but how many of us grow sweet corn, right? How many of you ever planted sweet corn? And you look at the little package, and it says it'll be ready, and from the time you plant it, it'll be ready in 60 to 90 days. Well, that's a pretty big window. You mean I can't, you know, when I plant it on April 1st, plan on going out and picking it on... 60 days later, May 1st. You mean, you mean I can't set my calendar and just go out later? I've got to watch it and watch it and watch it and watch it. I have friends that grow 3,000 acres of corn and soybeans, and they don't know when it's going to be right. They have an idea. Well, you know, we've watched it in the past years. We've had, to, we've had it this late or we've had it this early, and there, there's this range. But everything that happens influences the ripening of the harvest. How much water, how much sun, how much clouds, how much fertilizer, how much weeds. And the story goes on. I mean, we could talk for the rest of the day about things that influence the crop as to when it actually comes to harvest. We haven't even mentioned bugs and pestilence yet. And so in the same way, we're, God knows, but nobody else knows, and you can't figure it out. But as in the days of Noah... So also will be coming the Son of Man, for as in the days of Noah before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until Noah entered the ark, and they did not know until the flood came and took them away. 
so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. People are going to be living life just like normal. Jesus could come back today. He could come back right now. The only one sign that I think that we haven't seen is the sign of the heavens where the sun and the moon are darkened and the, 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 the uh, stars fall from the sky. Yet, however, how much less bright is the sun because due to smog and, and the moon? And How many stars can't you see in the city at night because of light pollution? And so in some ways, those things are dampened. I, I think that this, I think that Jesus could come back right now. He did. He'd come back tomorrow. Just in case y'all. He could come back tomorrow. He could also not come back for 50 years. That's what I absolutely believe. Life will continue as normal. People will be eating and drinking and marrying and be giving in marriage. All of the things of life that we're accustomed to. People are going to continue to die right up until the day Jesus comes back. How unfortunate would it be for a believer to die the moment before Jesus comes back? It's kind of like, ah, oh, man, I missed it. Except it didn't. Uh, verse 42. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour the Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Church, we need to live ready. We need to live ready. We need to live ready. We need to live like Jesus is going to come back at any moment. At any moment. Not just like, oh, he could come back tomorrow. He could come back right now. Right now. Right now. Are we living the way we want to live if Jesus shows up right now? Are we doing everything in our power to help to promote the preaching of the gospel because Jesus could come back right now? Are we doing everything that we can do within our power to, to bring about the, the kingdom of heaven on earth now because Jesus could come back right now? It says, when the Son of Man comes, when the Son of Man comes back, what will he find on the earth? Will he really find faith on the earth, it says in Luke 18. Will he really find faith? Will he really find a, a people who believe what he says and, and do what he says? And so this idea of being watchful, this idea of being ready, it is repeated throughout Scripture. It's repeated in many other parables. Jesus in Matthew 25 will go on to tell the story of the ten virgins. They all fell asleep. The ten virgins all fell asleep. And in the middle of the night, a cry was heard, and they woke from their sleep. Five were ready, and five went in. And five weren't ready, and five didn't go in. We need to live ready. We need to be a people, we need to be a generation that lives ready. We need to live like Jesus is coming back tomorrow. We need to plan like he's not coming back for 50 years. We've got so much more to say on this topic. I hope that you guys will come back next week. I am going to talk about pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, more about the trip, more about premillennial, post-millennial, amillennial. I'm going to seek to define all of these terms next week. And like I said, who knows? You may even find out what I believe or which way I lean. Um, but this is a great series. The most important thing is that you're it doesn't matter whether whether it's pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, no-trib. None of this matters. Pre-millennial, post-millennial, amillennial. It didn't matter. Listen, people had gotten it wrong the first time Jesus came, and Jesus still came. You 
you having a wrong thinking about Jesus coming isn't going to change the fact that he's going to come. He's not going to not come because you don't think about it right. He's coming. And what we see here is that it's going to be a surprise and a shock. And as much as we're looking for it and watching for it, the warnings are there that it's going to come without warning, where it's going to come when we're least suspecting it. And so it just comes back to the point where it really doesn't matter what we believe. We just need to be ready. Listen, if you're listening today and, and you hear me talking about this, there's no need to be afraid. Now, there's nothing to fear in the end of the world. Right? When Jesus comes, this age is wrapped up, and we enter into the next age, and that's the age where we all want to live. That's the age where there is no more tears, there is no more sadness, there is no more sickness, there is no more death. That's where we all want to be. That's where we see the completion of all things. This is heaven. I mean, we can go to heaven, heaven's nice now, but it's going to be better in the age to come. We'll have glorified bodies, and we'll be running around heaven eating fruit off the trees of life, surfing on the crystal sea, and taking part, so, part in so many other glorious things that go on in heaven for all of eternity. It says, in, it says in Revelation, it says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. There's a new heaven coming. And God will be in the midst of it, and he will dwell with his people, and he will be the light of the city, and God himself will give light to Come on. I can't wait for the day. So excited. You're here today, and you hear me talking about this, and you're kind of, uh, you know, you're not sure about it, but you want to know more, and you want to know more about Jesus. I want to invite you uh, to make a decision today to follow Jesus. Maybe you hear, you've heard people talk about this before. Maybe you've heard me speaking today, and you're not, you, maybe I didn't make it clear, but we can have a relationship with Jesus, and having that relationship with Jesus is what gets us into heaven. This is why we don't have to be afraid as believers of the end times, of the last days. Because Jesus wins. We know Jesus wins. Jesus has the victory. And we share in that victory because we walk with him. If you're listening today and you don't know Jesus and you'd like to walk with him, I'd like to pray for you. Say this. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I pray that you would forgive me of my sins that you would come and live inside my heart, that you would help me to live for you all of the days of my life. Save me from the end times, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, I'm going to have the, we're going to receive the offering here in just a moment. And so, I'm super excited. I hope to see you guys here next week uh, for the next portion of the series. And uh, I'll get back up here and have a good week.